Welcome to Healthy Tales with Dr. Mondrian Contreras. As much as your health and well-being are important, so is the health and well-being of your pet. Join us today as we break down some of the top treatment and wellness programs that you need to know about in order to help your pet live a fulfilling and healthy life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Mondrian Contreras. Welcome to Healthy Tales, where we discuss current animal-related news, interview experts in specific areas of veterinary medicine, and discuss product information for pet owners in our Product of the Week segment. I'm your host, Dr. Mondrian Contreras, and with me today are my three amazing co-hosts, Dr. Elaine McCarthy, veterinary technician Tim Hayes, and Dr. Kyle Morano. Thanks for joining me, guys. Good morning. Glad to be here. We have a great show for you today. I'll be interviewing Dr. Jules Benson, and we will be discussing everything pet insurance, affordable, and can save your pet's life. He's a fun guy, and he's great to talk with. After that, I will discuss a product that every dog family needs to safely and easily control their pet. We are so happy to have all our listeners here with us today, downloading the podcast version of our show. We are grateful for your continued support, and we love sharing our thoughts and expertise with you each week. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, questions, or topic ideas, please reach out to us and share. We love your feedback. You're welcome and encouraged to email me anytime at vetbrospeteducationcf at gmail.com. But first, the news in our first segment, the Wolfie Herald. (laughs) Sorry, guys. All right, Kyle, what animal news do you have for us today? Well, pretty interesting story about... um kind of expanding on something we already knew that dogs have this great sense of smell. So in uh, Eastern Europe, they, they had these Malinois that were able to scent and pick up on bones and remains from thousands of years ago, um, which is just insane to me because I thought, all right, within, I don't know, 100, 200 years, these bones are going to be completely nothing. And these dogs who had been trained previously to pick up bones, cadavers, that type of thing. They were able to cite and, and mark on a site that was thousands of years old. And, you know, you look, look, look through this, this uh, article and the handlers are like, no way, you, you're, this dog is just fooling with me. And they go down and dig and they find this thing. So that, it was just insane to figure that these dogs' noses are so good that they can pick up decaying remains from <laughs> so long ago. So it was, it was a really cool... Um, really cool thing to realize how good those dogs noses are yeah it was super interesting i mean this study was really cool it was like like uh, a research project we see how successful these cadaver dogs are can be in finding ancient ruins and ancient people i mean it's like it was like uh it, it was just cool how it was working i definitely it definitely highlights how amazing their olfactory senses are and some other things is uh and just impressive of what they were able to find Archaeology, to me, could be just a great life for dogs. It is so enriching. They do, um, they go on amazing adventures. They'd be out in nature and on archaeological digs. The article did a great job of reminding us that at the, at the end of how, obviously, how amazing dogs are and how helpful they can be um, to make such like a, I mean, they can make a significant impact you know um but they also mentioned a few things needed to make a successful dig and so they need the right site the right materials and the right landscape so again even though dogs are amazing at uh again trying you know their senses are amazing at helping them find it it, dogs are not like the end-all be-all in archaeological digs and so uh, again but you know dogs again aren't uh, they aren't perfect and they require lots of training um but i was glad to see obviously um how they reiterated this as far as, you know, how, how pets should be used for these types of digs, what their impact can be, but also that you definitely need, you know, a lot of other things to, to make these types of digs be, you know, helpful. So it was very, very cool. Yeah, it's crazy to think not only are the bones old, but they're also like three feet below the surface. So it's not even just like, they're just sniffing whatever is on the surface. They have to sniff below all that soil and dirt and whatever else is there too. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if people think, know, understand like how incredible. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that is, Nuts. you know, <laughs> three thousand. I mean, my gosh, three thousand years. I mean, that's you know, so that's that's incredible. Just the power of what they're able to do is incredible. Um, I love that article. Yeah, it got me. It got me thinking. Like, well, how? So it, then I'm totally the stats guy with this. So I had to look up. All right, well, what's what's <laughs> the ratio? So they somebody gave this analogy. Now, granted, take this with a huge grain of salt because it's it's a, a Dr. James Walker from Florida State. Which all right. Oh, As a on, Gator yeah. grad, this is already exactly. discredited. <laughs> <laughs> he can't trust him. <laughs> he gave the equivalent of something that we see at 100 meters, 
the equivalent, so the dog's nose is so much better than ours that what we see at 100 meters, a dog would be able to see at 1,000 miles. And, and that's just insane what? to me. That's, that's how crazy. better their noses are than our noses. Jeez, they must have like sensory overload all the time. I don't even know how you could handle that. This article made me feel really bad for these dogs. Like imagine being trained to to look for cadavers and then realizing that there's cadavers under you at all. Oh my god, they pass a cemetery. Yeah, like this dog, it's just constantly stressing out. It's like there's a body under me. There's a body right here, right now. I don't know how old it is, but it's it's here. I smell dead people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The dog's nose are amazing. All right, Elaine, what do you got for us? So here to report the latest developments on the COVID-19 front, and this could be the most useful information I've given thus far, <laughs> being your Healthy Tales COVID correspondent. Um, but a beer company offered three months of beer to those adopting or fostering a dog during the coronavirus crisis from the Midwest Animal Rescue. And uh, Corona beer has nothing to do with it, ironically enough. It is Bush beer trying to replace the Corona name in your household and sponsoring this. Um, here we thought people were just adopting so many dogs during this time out of the goodness of their hearts or to be comforted by a furry friend, but it turns out these people just can't afford their own beer during this crisis. <laughs> <laughs> Reportedly, the first 500 people over 21 to adopt received a $100 prepaid debit card. Apparently, they claim that's enough for three months of beer, but like I said, we're in the middle of a crisis, people. <laughs> beer, that's not enough money <laughs> to last for three months for beer. Hopefully when the $100 runs out to the people and people sober up, they aren't surrounded by 17 dogs they accidentally adopted. <laughs> and yeah. we would hate to have to see those animals go back to the shelter because they can't uh, take care of them. Everyone needs to remember to adopt and drink responsibly. Yes. That being said, I'm just waiting for uh, someone to sponsor wine for friends of felines and I'd be on board for that. Oh, <laughs> Elaine, all over that, huh? That's right. <laughs> Again, I love... I love where their hearts are at. I, again, I really do. And I, I trust, I think they're, again, they have their, their, their intentions are good. They're trying to get dogs adopted, raise awareness. It's catchy. And I'm sure it drew a lot of attention. Okay. I just, I'm all, again, I was wondering though, how do they gauge how much beer people can drink in, you know, right. three months time? So I just, I was wondering how they came up with that number. And so, and how did they, um, again, how did they come up with that amount of money? That was, I, I just couldn't understand that, but, which is fine. Um, it's obviously getting a little concerning to have these types of gimmicks though, right? Should, should we be concerned, you know, I mean, about the type of people that would literally adopt pets for beer? And so that's the, again, that's always kind of where my thoughts go a little bit, you know, um, you know, playing a little devil's advocate here. I'm grateful. Again, I'm grateful they reiterated that dogs um, are, or pets are for life. It is, it is a commitment and should not truly just be obviously adopted for beer. Uh, again, know that you're get what know what you're getting into. Hoping this was, you know, I'm hoping this was a successful attempt to raise awareness to to get dogs adopted. With the reminder that dogs, again, are wonderful and fun and can be, but they are a long-term commitment and responsibility. So again, like I, they, I think their hearts in the right place. I just I always get a little bit leery of these types of gimmicks. You know. All right, Tim, what do you got? I've got an article from the New York Times entitled, It's Me or the Dog, and it uh, tackles the age-old question of whether to share the bed with the dog or not. Um, now, considering that the last article I read from the New York Times was Tom Cotton, you know, suggesting military subjugation of the American people, yep. this was a nice change of pace <laughs> for the Times. Like, I, I would say more of this, less of the other thing. Um, Couldn't agree I, with you more. I do find the conclusions of this article equally offensive, though. Uh, spoiler <laughs> alert, he, he does end up kicking his dog out of the bed by the end of the article. Um, so 42 to 45% of dog owners report sharing the bed with their dogs. Um, I'm obviously one of those people. I wasn't, when I first got my, my first dog as an adult, uh, there was like a couple weeks where I thought, you know, I'm keeping a clean house. I'm not going to have dog hair on my bed. I'm not going to have dog hair all over my couch. And so I was constantly kicking the dog off the couch and I felt bad every time. And, and I eventually realized I was missing out as well because it's really, really nice having a dog in bed with you. Um, when my girlfriend moved in, thankfully she was of the same opinion. And so now it's the three of us or three dogs and the two of us. Uh, I, I will say we had to get a king size bed to accommodate it, but uh, it, you know, it's worth it. I, I think 
they're pack animals. I think they're just more comfortable sleeping with their owners. I, I think it's a good bonding experience. Um, I, I'm, I'm strongly pro sharing a bed. Um, the article does have a couple cons listed though. Uh, first of all, health concerns. Uh, there is a, you know, according to the article, increased risk of uh, contagious diseases such as ringworm and pastorella. And, you know, I th I'm sure there's some validity to that argument. Um, I, whether it's enough of a risk that, that it, it should affect your decision, I'm, I'm not sure, but I, I, I get it. Uh, we do see owners with ringworm uh, that they got from their dog or vice versa. It, it, it happens. The other health risk they mentioned, though, I, I've got a slight con concern with. They argue that you can get bubonic plague from this. <laughs> now, I, uh, veterinarians and vet techs are taught about bubonic plague. It is, it's still out there. I don't mean to, to say it's not, but have you ever met anybody with bubonic plague? <laughs> you're, it, it, it's not going to happen. You're not, I am willing to stand up and declare a healthy tales guarantee. <laughs> wow. Jim, you will not get it. bubonic plague sleeping <laughs> with your dog and if you do dr Contreras will pay for your it's a healthy tales guarantee i mean look at i mean and tim you just put it on record i mean yeah. you know what i mean it's on yeah. it's on record That's, it's binding now <laughs> uh, tim can you say that for all countries who may or may not listen <laughs> yeah i don't know how internationally this works but within the contiguous united states at least. um the other concern that they list and i think is equally ridiculous it, it, the the article states that it's totally fine to have a dog in bed with you when you're single but that when the significant other moves in, by continuing to have the dog in bed with you, what you're saying is that this is my primary relationship, which that's maybe the most insecure sentence ever written in any human language. I, I wouldn't think the English language had the correct amount of words and type of words to, to create a sentence that insecure. I'm sure that there is some loss of intimacy or redirected intimacy uh, with pets that, you know, because you see that with married couples with kids too, things change. But to act as though the default statement by having a dog share a bed with you is that they are your primary relationship, just a powerfully unsettling thought to me. Um, but, you know, ultimately both people do need to be on the same page. I mean, I, everybody has the right to a comfortable bed. Everybody has the right to a, a good night's sleep. And if your partner's having issues falling asleep with the dog, then the partner wins. I get that. But I think, you know, give it a shot because I think you, you will find that it's really, really nice having a dog in bed with you. Yeah. I mean, I thought I like, I did like how the author did take multiple perspectives, you know, the veterinarian's perspective, you know, and I know the vets are definitely more of the stance, you know, to never let dogs into bed because again, we're more of the medical health concerns you know, you know, people. And so, and then the, the relationship therapist went definitely much more deeply into things, arguing that, yeah, obviously sharing a bed with your dog will create relationships um, that competes with the relationships between you and your significant other. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Tim. That was, a, that was a little bit much, I thought. You know, there was, there's a very, you know, they went a lot of like a philosophical depth into this response. Uh, in my opinion, this, this really shouldn't be something though <clears throat> that breaks up relationship. Okay. If one person cares of uh, the dog that the dog is in the bed uh, and the relationship is worth saving, then you're not hurting the dog's feelings. All right. By, you know, sure, putting the sure. dog, all right, off, you know, you know, in off the bed. All right. If it's a, it's a, if it's a point of contention, it's going to be something uh, again, you can, you can kind of give in on. All right. You can show the dog love. You can show the dog love in other ways. I'm uh, I'm not against pets though in the bed. Uh, obviously though, when I when owners ask me, I, I always do tell them I don't recommend it. Okay, just because for the you know for the zoonotic uh, reasons, you know, just to kind of you know obviously cover myself. Uh, but medically speaking, you need to be obviously sure that your pet's on parasite control. Yeah, bacteria you know is gross, but honestly, if your dog again, if you're on parasite control, your dog is clean. All right, um, it's probably fine. And so fortunately or unfortunately. Um, at my house, this will never happen. Okay. If anybody knows my wife. Okay. <laughs> so my cat used to come on our bed all the time, but again, she would always sleep on our head. So I think that was the reason why the cat doesn't sleep on our bed anymore. It just got too hot. But, uh, also keep in mind, there are pr plenty of other ways to show your pet, you know, um, your, your, you know, I mean, you know, that doesn't 
that doesn't want your pet in the bed anymore to show them love. You know, you can, there's always the couch and, you know, for you and your dog. And obviously if, um, you know, if you want your dog on the bed so much, you're probably going to be on the couch. <laughs> for long term. So, but that's just another way I feel like. So it was very cute. Uh, we are sometimes veterinarians are, uh, you know, relationship therapists. Times. <laughs> so this is, this is an article that I hit home because I've had this discussion with quite a few owners, you know, whether it be the kids or the relationship. So this is good. These people so just need know, to let's... drink that bush beer before going to bed, then they won't notice. <laughs> <laughs> Combine them all. Yeah. So listeners, I don't know if you caught that, but both we are, we at Happy Tales are going to stake, stake our flag in the fact that you will not get bubonic plague and Dr. Mondrian Contreras will pay for your treatment. And if you're having relationship troubles, Dr. Mondrian Contreras will also have you call in and walk you through your relationship troubles about the dog. I'm just saying, guys, all right, I'm an expert. All right. I deal with this all the time. All right. All right, guys. So thanks for keeping us up to date and animal related news, everyone. When we come back, we will talk with Dr. Benson. You won't want to miss this incredible, his incredible story and his mission to help save pets lives. Stick around. us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The Vet Bros Pet Education Charitable Fund is a 501c3 organization created by Dr. Mondrian Contreras. Dr. Contreras had twin boys early in his vet school education. He often had to study with his children, which led to their love for animals and desire to help educate others about pets. The Vet Bros Pet Education Charitable Fund stems from this love of animals and education. The Vet Bros Pet Education Charitable Fund's mission is to help educate children and young adults about how to best care for their pets and to help them fulfill their dreams of becoming veterinarians, animal advocates, and animal healthcare professionals. This organization helps provide scholarship money as well as educational seminars to help individuals realize their dreams. The Vet Pros Pet Education Charitable Fund also provides financial assistance towards healthcare for pets in families experiencing various hardships such as bankruptcy and unemployment or natural disasters such as flooding, tornado, or fire. Please visit our website, vetbrospeteducation.org, and consider making a donation to our cause. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are tuned in to Healthy Tales with Dr. Mondrian Contreras. We'd love to hear from you on our program today. Please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vetbrospeteducationcf at gmail.com. Now back to Healthy Tales. Welcome back to Healthy Tales. A few weeks ago, I talked a lot about the importance and benefits of pet health insurance in my product of the week segment. We all want to do all we can to help our pets extend their lives and improve their quality of life. Well, we have with us today the best expert to talk about and answer questions about the ins and outs of pet insurance, Dr. Jules Benson. Dr. Benson is an experienced executive in the animal health field. Before coming to Nationwide's pet health insurance unit, he was on the startup team of a pet health company and then assisted other veterinary and medical companies as an executive specializing in healthcare, marketing, and strategy. As a licensed veterinarian, Dr. Benson is a graduate of the University of Liverpool's School of Veterinary Medicine. He has been active in conservation efforts in Africa, and he worked in clinical practice before moving into the pet health industry as a leader. He can speak with insight and experience on animal health industry trends, startups, innovation, and strategic planning, and of course, on veterinary medicine. Dr. Benson, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. So where exactly, where are you from? So I'm from Lancashire, so the northwest of England. So uh, I went to school in Liverpool, as you said. So uh, Liverpool and Lancashire. Um, it's funny, in the UK, everything feels so far apart. So an hour is like a huge amount of distance. So it's, it's literally like 
So uh, how far outside? Is Chicago the closest yeah. city? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so suburb uh, of yeah, Carroll Streams. Right, so, so we would call it a suburb here, but in yeah. the UK, it's a vast distance. So between where I grew up in Lancaster and Liverpool, it's literally maybe an hour and 15 minutes drive. Oh, but wow. it's just, you would never think of driving. <laughs> like it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. the UK's, and it's probably the cost of fuel, like a petrol, but, but yeah. it's just, it's a very strange, uh, you know, when we think about where we're from and going to London is three hours away and my God, that could be the other side of the moon for all we know most of the time. <laughs> nice. yeah. And so then what was your vet school uh, experience like then? I mean, so again, I mean, that type of uh, experience is incredible. Yeah, it was um, so. It, and again, coming to to get into vet school because I didn't have any. In the same way that getting into vet school is tough in the in the U.S., in the U.K. Mm-hmm. it's similar. So you have to have done. You know, to your point, you, a lot of people make up their minds very early, and so they've been working at vets or working yeah. on farms or whatever else. And so I didn't have any of that experience. So um, I did a year of a vocational course, which was working with domestic animals, so uh, uh, sheep, uh, cattle, uh, uh, pigs. And then an equine unit and some poultry work as well. And so that really it was a, it was a what they call a further education versus higher education course. Yeah. Um, and that really gave me a grounding that I used, funnily enough, later on in a lot of the the, the marketing and strategy work I did because I did a lot of work mm-hmm. around pigs and some work on cattle. And it's amazing how some of that stuff comes back to you. Yeah. Um, and, and again, you know, talking as a veterinarian, when I talk to other veterinarians who are swine specialists, it doesn't take much for you to be able to make that connection when you say, you know, when you talk about a farrow and crate or when you talk about, you know, your experience of, you know, injecting cattle or whatever else, it doesn't take much to make that connection and to, and to have that shared experience. So that's been yeah. hugely valuable to me in my career as well. And so, um, so once you go after, after then, you know, your vet school experience, though, then when would you, when you, when you graduate, where do you go after that? Well, so uh, it was, it was different for me because when I graduated, um, the irony being that I could work anywhere in the world except the US. Uh, so the <laughs> Liverpool, Liverpool was not at that time one of the three schools in the UK that were accredited by the, the Council of Education of the AVMA. Uh, so I have to take, I had to take the, the North American Veterinary Licensing Examination. I had to take the Educational Commission for Foreign Veterinary Graduates course, which is a three and a half day course over seven disciplines. <laughs> and the waiting list is excellent. So, so I, 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 I came over because I was, I was married to an American at that time. And so, you know, after we met during when I was at vet school, I came over and then lived in Pennsylvania. Um, and so I had two She's years. She's a veterinarian? No, I was a veterinarian. <laughs> was, she, but she, she, was she a veterinarian too? No, no. She, we met through a mutual friend when I was visiting one summer. So oh. uh, we got married and then I came over. And I had the really unique experience of, of, of coming to America and working pretty much as a day laborer. I worked as a landscaper uh, for two summers um, in, in suburban Philadelphia. Uh, and then, um, you know, I worked, uh, again, another funny job was I, I worked as a shipping uh, manager for a company that made um, fabric uh, form covers. And like, it was a very, again, a, very, a really, a really interesting way to experience it. And again, coming in as, a, as somebody who's working with, uh, with other immigrants, but Mexican immigrants mostly, yeah. uh, and kind of having that experience uh, of, of America, you know, from, from the offset was a, was a really enlightening experience as well. And one of the great things that I've been able to be involved in at Nationwide is, is, is becoming human animal bond certified. So I don't know if you know about the human animal bond research I institute. Don't. So, so HABRI or the human animal bond research institute is a really, um, it's a, it's a, it's a scientific research project that is set up as a nonprofit that's set up to better understand the science behind the human animal bond. So the human animal bond is defined as the relationship between humans and non-human animals, where there's a positive connection on both sides. So there's a lot of work around, uh, for example, the release of oxytocin in both pets and animals during, you know, during humans petting, you know, pets. So if, you, if your dog comes in and you both pet the, the, the and, and you pet the dog, then you know not just your oxytocin increases and your cortisol lowers, but also the pets as well. So there's a mutuality to the human animal bond. Um, and so one of the great things has been able to go through some of that training and learn about how to implement the human animal bond, you know, in veterinary medicine. So talking about for treatment regimes, what are the things for this individual pet owner and this pet that are going to help maintain the human animal bond, and which are those that are going to strain it? So for every cat that can't be pilled, you know, we know that's a, that's a hot button topic for a lot of pet owners. And that becomes something that is a, has an impact on the human animal bond. So how do we get around that and how do we cater? And this is something you do every day without knowing it, but, but, or without examining it perhaps, right. but, but how do we use the human animal bond and our knowledge of the science behind that 
to really better understand, you know, how, what our clients' um, needs are and how we maintain that bond. And, and having clients who, there's been a lot of work who look at pet owners and when they, when they know that a doctor understands the human-animal bond and can understand the science about, you know, how you and the animal are mutually beneficial, that can have a huge impact on their compliance, on their ability to see diseases through to, you know, a, hopefully a fruitful outcome. Um, so it can be really helpful. So that's, that's, that's extremely powerful. Yeah. Oh, that yeah, is absolutely that is excellent. Yeah. 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 So, it's, uh, so it's not just that compassionate nature of it, but it's the science behind it as well. So it's, it's something for everybody, I think, is the nice part of it. Yeah. So, um, so how, when, did that, when did you guys get, when did that start, when that project get started? Well, so, so Happy has been around for, I think, at least four or five years now. Um, and uh, Nationwide is the second company to become, as a whole company, human animal bond certified. So every one of our associates will be required to go through, uh, it's about an hour and a half of human animal bond training. Whereas a, as a practitioner or as, as the, the chief veterinary officer, I actually have, I think, 30 something hours or 40 hours. So the whole human animal bond certification process is really comprehensive and goes into the full detail of science behind it. And I'm, I, so I, I will admit that I'm not done yet. As just before we talked, I was going through one of the final chapters. So I still yeah. have to take the certificate, but going through the process has been absolutely amazing. So the certification is run by the, the North American veterinary community but going onto their website and looking at the human animal bond and you can find human animal bond certified veterinarians. And it's a, it's a, it's a great program. Again, that's, <clears throat> I love that nationwide is doing that. That yeah. is incredible yeah. that they're having their employees. That's incredible. That's excellent. All right. Yeah. And again, that helps to, it really does help everybody. Okay. Cause again, we can definitely, again, connect much, much more with our, you know, with our clients and they can have much stronger, much stronger bonds. That's incredible. Absolutely. So I, I think I'm going to definitely try to get my whole hospital here. Because we'll <laughs> uh, that sounds absolutely incredible. And so I do, I do want to ask you about Nationwide too. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, about our, we'll go, we'll go off some tangents. It's okay. This is natural. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. I love them. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, again, off the wall question. Uh, but I want to make sure, was Lassie, uh, the famous dog, was that the first pet insured by Nationwide? Is that? So it's, <laughs> or was that it's, first? No, it's it's true. But the funny thing was, so uh, I was so where did you graduate from? I graduated University of Florida, College of Florida. Okay, so so I I liken it to the UGA. So 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 for those listening who don't know, so UGA have a bulldog as their mascot, who's called Ugga, right? So and, <laughs> yeah. and there and there's Ugga is numbered. So I can't remember which Ugga they're at now, but it's like five or six or eight or something. So I was trying to find out. So the original Lassie, which was in the I guess the forties or fifties yeah. was a dog called pal. So pal was this dog and, you know, famously, you know, portrayed Lassie. Um, and you know, the, the dirty secret behind Lassie of course is that while Lassie was supposed to be a girl, all the dogs who played Lassie were male because they were larger and therefore filled the screen more, I guess was the idea behind <laughs> yeah. it. They're, you know, 10 or 15 pounds heavier. Um, so I was trying to find out if there was a, a, a timeline or a hierarchy of which Lassie this was, but, uh, I couldn't find anything. So suffice to say that, yes, Lassie, you know, quote unquote Lassie was the <laughs> Lassie, first yeah. pet, the, the VPI at that time. So veterinary pet insurance was started by a veterinarian, um, you know, with this view of, of trying to make lives better for, for veterinarians and pet owners by providing this insurance product. Hmm. And VPI was the first to provide that in the US. And Lassie was indeed the first dog that was insured by VPI, which Very has now cool. become nationwide. Very cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> our, our famous pup, Lassie. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, can you, uh, again, you, you kind of hint on a little bit of the, the history because of Nationwide, because a lot of people don't know that Nationwide, I guess, you know, does necessarily does pet insurance. I mean, everybody knows Nationwide yeah. for yeah, all yeah. those other things, but, you know, Nationwide doing, doing pet insurance, I guess, you know, how did that all come about? Well, so, so nationwide has, as funnily enough, so in the, in the way that insurance works generally is that you, you know, you, you have a, often have a brand name and then you have an underwriter. So an insurance company that mm -hmm. will, you know, have the, the money behind the scenes, if you like. So as, as far as VPI went, veterinary pet insurance, uh, nationwide had always been a partner in, in writing that insurance in, in most of the States in the U S so oh, okay. nationwide was almost always a silent partner in the success of VPI and of pet health insurance in the U S it just wasn't, you know, if you looked at the policy documents, it would say, you know, for most states underwritten by nationwide insurance, gotcha. um, but, it, but the brand name was VPI. So um, it's always been a really close uh, relationship. Um, but about five or six years ago, um, they rebranded. They basically, you know, uh, they decided, you know, the nationwide brand is so powerful, not that the VPI brand hasn't been great. 
but we think that we can we can serve more pet owners and more pets Absolutely. by rebranding as nationwide. Absolutely, yeah, that, that, that totally makes sense. And so, you know, I wonder you have such a great perspective on this. I think that <clears throat> so because um, obviously you know growing up in Liverpool, you know, and um, you know being being you know from England, the um, they have. Uh, how many people do you feel like in nationwide, how many, how many like in the United States have pet insurance versus like in England and, yeah. and you know, in, in Europe or whatever? So the, the international perspective on pet insurance is really interesting. So um, the Scandinavian countries are actually some of the first countries to introduce pet health insurance. And in some of those Scandinavian countries, the number of pets insured, depending on which stats you look at, can be anywhere from 50 to 80%, like 80%. Wow. So in the UK, it's about 30% of pets are insured and, and pet health insurance has been, um, has been going in the UK for a little bit longer than it has in the US. Um, uh, and there are many, many more brands. I think there were 80 plus brands of pet insurance, whereas there's less than 20 here in the US. Um, and so in the US, it's about 2% is the short answer. So about less than 2% of pets are insured at the moment. It is a growth industry. We're growing, you know, about 20 plus percent year over year. So that's great news, but, yeah. but 20% or 2% is still not very much. So we're still, <laughs> yes. you know, we're still always looking to, you know, how can we, you know, so veterinarians like you who see the, the, the value in being able to plan for those unforeseen financial uh, situations and or, you know, for wellness, because wellness is a big portion of what we do as well. And, and knowing that you have the ability to get your wellness care without having to worry about getting hit with a big bill that's a big part of it as well for us. Yeah. And so how do you feel like pet insurance? Um, you know, if you could describe it to most people, like how pet insurance works, how, how do you, how do you usually explain it to clients? So I think that the, the most common phrase that's used is peace of mind. So, so insurance is a, you know, as a concept, um, I think a lot of people look at it as if I pay this money in, you know, I, I should expect to get this money out. And I, and I always struggle with that concept because obviously that's not how insurance works and you know if you look at your auto insurance your rental insurance or even your your own health insurance you know over a lifetime you know that you're probably not going to end up ahead but the idea being that um if you're in if we've in the exam rooms you told me before we came on that you had a, a case of a dog with a, a an anal sac carcinoma so which is a you know a, a fairly or can be a fairly aggressive tumor Absolutely. in a dog and the worst thing that we have to do as veterinarians and the worst situation you can be in as a client is have to make a decision that's based on finance. So that it's that, it's that um, melding of financial and medical decision-making, which is, it's never, you're never going to reach or rarely are you able to reach the outcome you want to reach. If you're worried about if, if your decision-making is based on not just the, the best care for the pet, mm -hmm. but having to make those financial decisions as well. And we understand why people make them. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not a castigation of, of people not being able to afford pet care. We know the cost of those things, but it's the ability to walk into that exam room and say, you know what, my beloved pet has an issue. I don't have to worry about the financial portion of it because I have the insurance. Let's just talk about what the best thing to do is from a medical perspective and we'll see it through from there. So, so to me, that's the value in it, of the, of the illness and accident portion. And then for the wellness portion, we believe that wellness is such an important part of keeping pets healthy and of ensuring that they're getting the things they need, you know, whether that's, you know, the, the top of the line flea and tick control or whether it's, you know, every, uh, you know, uh, blood panel they need every other year or is dental cleanings and, and, and cohorts. Like those are the things that we believe, are, you know, shouldn't be forsaken. Um, just because right. we're talking about accident and illness insurance, those are still things that happen and there's still some fluctuation in what those, uh, what we spend on those things. So having a way to kind of even that out, I think could be really helpful for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, when, when families come in and it's so wonderful to have a situation where, you are giving them, again, they're able to choose by what's the best medical advice, not the best financial advice, you know? Yeah. And so yeah, absolutely. Um, that makes, again, it, again, it's just so much easier. Again, I, again, I think that's the biggest thing for me as far as the difference in pet family lives, that's for sure. Well, and for you as well. So, so you and I went to vet school to be able to practice veterinary medicine and, and the, the place that we don't want to be is to, is to talk to a parent or about you know, kind of going down this ladder of, of medical options just because there's a, there's a financial issue. And I, and I say just because, but, you know, for many of us, that is an issue. Like the finances are a very real consideration. That's yeah. not why we went to vet school. We would love to be able to, to apply the gold standard of medicine to every pet we see. 
Mm-hmm. And, and when you have a higher penetration of bad health insurance, you know, again, you know, you've grown up in the UK where it's a much more common occurrence. Um, it's, it makes a real difference. And, you know, especially a referral medicine, when you have to refer something out, you know, when things start to get really expensive, um, I think, again, that's, that's something that, that, you know, if we're able to have a better outcome for a case by sending it out to a specialist, yeah. uh, you know, pen insurance is just a huge boon for that. And you touched on it uh, a little bit, but because, uh, you know, Nationwide does wellness and, you know, accidents, but does Nationwide basically cover everything or, you know, it's like, what kind of things does Nationwide actually cover with pet insurance? Yeah. So there's, um, there's a, the nice thing that we have at Nationwide is that we have a range of products. So the, the, the top of the line product is the whole pet product. So the whole pet product covers 90% of almost everything. So mm-hmm. if the whole pet with wellness, it's 90% of your flea and tick, it's 90% of your vaccines and 90% of your, you know, adenocarcinoma. Um, so, you know, you'll be, you know, probably familiar with some of the, as a, as a large company, we have a lot of, you know, people to, to look after us and what we say and, and keep a, make sure we don't say the wrong things. Mm-hmm. So to say that, that our URL for that product is bestpetinsuranceever.com you know, so it really is the highest level of insurance that people can get. And having said that, you know, that does come at a cost. And we know that the cost of veterinary medicine is, is you know, ever increasing, which is, right. it's, you know, and, and uh, again, to explain perhaps for, for people who aren't familiar with why that is, um, I think when people talk about the cost of veterinary medicine increasing, a lot of people think, oh, it's, it's veterinarians who are increasing their prices. And that's, very, very rarely the case. The 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 actual increases that veterinarians put on their on their fees are generally in line or below inflation. So the exam fee for your veterinarian may increase over you know several years, but it's certainly it's not you know the 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 level that people think. The things that we have in veterinary medicine is enhanced capability. So right. I liken this exactly. I liken this to to you know um, a few years ago or maybe ten years ago now. Um, it used to be that if we saw a dog that came in for vomiting. You know, we would say, okay, well, you know, we'll, we'll take some blood work and we'll maybe take an x-ray and then we'll give it this drug, you know, metoclopramide. So metoclopramide was the anti-emetic. If we didn't think there was something stuck in the uh, foreign body, we would give this drug and it would, you know, hopefully things would get better. We give it some fluids and that would be maybe 200 ish dollars, right? For something like that. Mm-hmm. And then within the space of about a year, two things happened. Um, a drug company came out with a really good anti-emetic product that was specifically for animals. So the other drug was a generic human product that we were using and had issues with upper gastric motility. And if it was a foreign body that could have adverse effects. So this drug was a, a specific for animals. It didn't have any of those deleterious side effects. And then we had a snap test that came out for, for pancreatic disease. So this, this CPLI snap test. Now those things, you know, became, they were great tools for the practice, but that same dog, instead of being $200, now it's $350. And we haven't changed how we're treating things. We're just seeing that we have enhanced capability to make things better. And that's, that's, you know, the, the advancement of veterinary medicine is what's causing the increase in cost. So it's a great thing, but it obviously it comes at a cost. Oh, and that's perfectly. I, mean, I, I could not have said that any better yeah. because you're exactly right. Again, we're getting things that are enhancing the quality right. of medicine. We are enhancing. We're getting, again, we love these new things, all these great studies that come out. We're, you know, the developing of new drugs. You know what I mean? Like, again, we got, you know, we have dental x-rays now. We have yeah. endoscopy that we could use. We have ultrasound. We have all these great tools. And even the blood machines that we can. That I just got a new blood machine because it can do yep. more things. It can run more things in-house answers quicker and more quickly absolutely yeah absolutely and so that's exactly right again that was absolutely perfect and so um and so you i think you kind of answered it already so that's where people could go is that where people sign up so they can go to they can go to petinsurance.com or best petinsurance the best com. so so petinsurance.com is the major site so they can go there and the other thing so so we have the the um the 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 cadillac product the flagship whole pet product but there are also some other products which are um, have more limited reimbursement, but mm-hmm. at the same time, there's a cheaper product. So trying to kind of create a range of products for, uh, and, and, you know, the, the, the range of how much that could be varies so much depending on the type of pet and the geographic location mm-hmm. and the type of product they choose. So, uh, I mean, instead of giving, you know, what it could be, I always just say, recommend people to go and take a quote and have a look and see what they think it is. And, and, uh, and they'll, they'll find something that fits their budget. And, and what's, again, <clears throat> I will say I have been on there. So Lisa's our, um, she's amazing. Our uh, nationwide rep, rep 
but she, um, but I've been on the, the website. It's extremely easy and it's actually kind of fun because we love yeah. going because <laughs> you can choose all the different types of yeah. pets, you know, you did all the different ages, you know, yep. cats. And it, it is, it's actually a fun little tool to have that you guys have. So I, I think it's absolutely wonderful. And so how do you feel that, um, again, how many, cause there's a lot of, there, I know there's a lot of pet insurance companies and how do you feel, you know, nationwide compares with everything? Well, so again, so bestpetinsuranceever.com, they wouldn't let us use that if that wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I think there are a lot of great options and, and, I, and I wouldn't deride any of our competitors. I think, you know, uh, different choices out there, uh, always encourage people to look at their options uh, and to understand what it is they're buying. So, um, you know, we can talk about some of the biggest misconceptions or some of the biggest, um, I guess, reasons for disappointment. And, and, you know, people don't always align their expectations with what it is they're buying. So things like pre-existing conditions, I think, mm -hmm. are a big, a big reason. Um, you know, for example, uh, I think you said you saw a diabetic tonight. If, if, if a pet had come in and, and you know, they, they, they knew something was wrong with their pet, so they bought a policy and they say, okay, well, my pet's been, you know, had increased thirst and urination for three weeks and they just bought the policy today that's going to be a pre-existing condition because that pet's right. been showing signs of that condition prior to. So, so the best time it's, it's counterintuitive, but the best time to buy pet insurance is when your pet is healthy. You yeah. know, it's the, it's yeah. <laughs> the, the best, right. The best time for us to buy life insurance is, you know, <laughs> when we're in our thirties and healthy and then we get a better rate, you know, through that exactly. 20 period. So it's, it's a, a similar concept. Yeah. It's uh, the best time. Again, I agree. So, right. It's the best, really the most important time for pets is usually when they're puppies, right? Puppies and kittens, yeah. the best time. Um, and so, and, uh, these, a lot of these quotes are extremely reasonable, especially when they're puppies and kittens, right. you know, and again, so those are, that's, that's good. And so, um, and what are some, uh, and so does, does, uh, pet insurance cover any kind of like, uh, I, the, my wife said maternity leave and I was like, <laughs> is there, we, cover? They, don't, they, don't, they don't get, uh, 40% of their salary or whatever the, uh, no, um, which is a, which is also a crime. Uh, again, we're talking about maternity leave and, and again, we're very lucky to work for nationwide who look after their people very well. Um, but, uh, so they, they, they it doesn't cover breeding per se. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but complications of breeding. So if there's okay. an unexpected C-section or something like that, that's, and again, depending on the policy. So, um, you know, the, the, certainly the whole pet policy, most of what I'll talk about would be the whole pet policy. So, um, you know, there's certainly a, a, an unexpected C-section. I believe that's covered by the policy. Okay. So can you give some examples of costs of pet insurance, like premiums from different animals, ages and conditions kind of thing? So I, I, because it's so broad and because we have that range of products, I think mm -hmm. it's, I, I usually just say it's easier to go online and take a look. And yeah. just because when you add the wellness in there as well, yeah. it's just another element to it. So, uh, I mean, you can get a product from anywhere, I think from maybe $30 a month up to a hundred plus, but depending on the breed, depending on what you want. So there's so many options. I, I, I hate to, to kind of give people uh, too much of a range. I think it's easier if they go on and take a look. Okay. And so um, do you have any good, like really great story? I'm sure you have a million uh, great stories of, you know, clients' experience, <laughs> you know, having pet insurance and those type of things. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so the, I'll talk first about the Hambone Award. So the Hambone Award is something that, that Nationwide has done from, and previously VPI has done for about 10 years now. And the Hambone Award, um, my predecessor, Dr. McConnell, told me the story. I thought it was perfect. So the Hambone Award comes from a dog. Uh, and, and the Hambone Award celebrates our weird and wacky claims every year. Yeah. So this year it was won by a cat who disappeared from home for three weeks and then came back and lost 30% of her body mass and was oh, just, you know, had a bunch of stuff going on. Um, uh, but, but she was found. And it was this great story. But that the original Hambone Award was, and, you know, I'm sure you'll relate to this, um, a Jack Russell Terrier. Uh, and the Jack Russell Terrier was left home with, um, they had the, uh, the, the Thanksgiving ham, I think, in the refrigerator. Yeah. And when they got back from the refrigerator, from, from wherever they'd been, they found a Jack Russell. They couldn't find the dog anywhere. That was the that's part of the story. So they couldn't find the dog anywhere. And then they looked in the refrigerator and there was this hypothermic oh, uh, Jack Russell, oh, uh, who was just tympanic, full of ham. So this, this ham bone was left with this freezing cold Jack Russell who had managed to, I'm sure the only reason he held on so long was because he consumed so many calories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? oh my um, gosh. But uh, so the, the ham bone award is named, is, is named in honor of this, this great story. That but, is incredible. But I've had great experiences with, you know, my own clients. Um, and I don't know if you have any Greyhound people, for example, but Greyhound people are, to me are like some of the best clients just because they're so committed to this one breed. And, you know, they, uh, I've had, you know, they, I've certainly had clients who've had dogs with lymphoma, who've had 
you know, bone marrow transplant and things that, things that they might do anyway, but just with taking the finance out of the equation, it's just such a reduction in stress in what they have to handle and what they're going to do, you know? So they, the, the, the you know, the, the, the people I, I know who had the bone marrow transplant, they would have done this anyway, even if it meant taking out a second mortgage on the house, but they didn't have to because they had pet health insurance. And it's just this, this complete easing of a, of a, an entirely stressful situation to start with. Um, yeah. and you know, you just, you, you, you take away that, that financial aspect of it. So it's, it's, it's been, you know, great for me when having insured, insured clients. Oh, that's incredible. All right. So I love that. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I'm glad you love Greyhound people. I actually wrote a book on Greyhounds, all right, The Incredible oh, yeah. Life of Dory. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm a big Greyhound person, all right, oh, <laughs> to, to, say, to say the least, all right? So yeah, I wrote a little, little children's book on, uh, on Greyhounds. Yeah. That's great. Some, uh, some, somebody, somebody just, a friend of mine just posted a meme on Facebook the other day, which was, um, you know, the top half was a picture of a racing greyhound shooting out of the kennel and, you know, the caption, what people think greyhound life is like. And, and yeah. the bottom half is just this, this greyhound lying on the grass and like what greyhound life is actually like. The ugly truth is that greyhounds are some of the laziest animals ever, which is oh, they're fantastic. They're no, so they're, great. They are the, the sweetest, <laughs> best ever bit. I love them. All right. They have been the best. Uh, again, Dr. Benson, I can't tell you enough. This has been absolutely incredible. Okay. You've been unbelievably so informative i can't again this has been absolutely wonderful talking with you um again your career has been amazing all right you've had it's a great a fun. amazing hopefully career. not over yet <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah and again i hope again uh obviously i know you, you you're a very young guy and so i know you have a lot more a lot more to do so um again like i said but thank you so much for for everything you've done your service um your commitment really to to help pets really get live, you know, just great quality, long lives. Okay. And, and again, please keep, keep doing the great work you're doing. And um, again, thank you for being a part, part of this episode. I can't tell you enough. Thank you so well, much for being here today. Well, and so for your listeners, I will first point out that it's you who is the hero who's doing this every day. Like I, I have the office job at this point. So, you, <laughs> so your, so your life is, is, is much, uh, is much more challenging than mine is at this point, I'm sure, but hopefully we can help a little bit. Um, but, but so thank you for the work you're doing and thank you for, for you know, I'm sure uh, your clients every day are, are thankful for, for the, the service you give them. So I, re- I, Vince, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. All, All right, right man. Appreciate it. All right. When we get back, we'll be talking about our product of the week. Stick around. us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The Vet Bros Pet Education Charitable Fund is a 501c3 organization created by Dr. Mondrian Contreras. Dr. Contreras had twin boys early in his vet school education. He often had to study with his children, which led to their love for animals and desire to help educate others about pets. The Vet Bros Pet Education Charitable Fund stems from this love of animals and education. The Vet Bros Pet Education Charitable Fund's mission is to help educate children and young adults about how to best care for their pets and to help them fulfill their dreams of becoming veterinarians, animal advocates, and animal healthcare professionals. This organization helps provide scholarship money as well as educational seminars to help individuals realize their dreams. The Vet Pros Pet Education Charitable Fund also provides financial assistance towards healthcare for pets in families experiencing various hardships such as bankruptcy and unemployment or natural disasters such as flooding, tornado, or fire. Please visit our website, vetbrospeteducation.org, and consider making a donation to our cause. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are tuned in to Healthy Tales with Dr. Mondrian Contreras. 
We'd love to hear from you on our program today. Please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vetbrospeteducationcf at gmail.com. Now back to Healthy Tales. Welcome back to Healthy Tales. It's time for our product of the week. We love taking our pets for walks. It's great bonding time, it helps us and our pets get much needed exercise, and it can be great for proper socialization. One problem that often happens on walks, however, is that dogs can pull a lot, causing walks to be difficult or even turn into a hassle. None of us really want to be in a who is walking who situation. Here are a few important things to remember before I tell you about my product of the week. First, you don't want to pull on your pet's neck because it can cause them to choke. And prong collars especially should not be used on any dog as these collars can cause serious harm to our dog's neck. I see so many owners with large dogs who have a difficult time controlling them. It looks like the owner is the one being taken for a walk. And to be clear, you don't want your dog taking you for a walk. In my experience, the best tool to help handle your dog in an easy way is the gentle leader. I'm a huge fan of these head collars because they are great training tools for our pets and it's extremely safe. I've met some owners who have voiced concern about pulling the dog's neck, but the gentle tug just helps to guide the dog. And in 20 years of being in the animal field and seeing the use of gentle leaders, I've never seen a documented case of any neck injury due to their use. I have seen very serious injuries with the use of prong collars and electric shock collars. Also, if you have ever seen a dog play tug of war, you will see how tough and flexible their necks are. We all know that cutting our dog's nails and cleaning their ears is not naturally easy, but with training and practice, these can be positive experiences. The same goes for walking your dog. A little bit of training and practice with the gentle leader can give you that great walk experience that you will both love for the rest of your life. Some clients have told me, when I put the gentle leader on my dog, they pawed at it. So I know he doesn't like it. So I didn't use it. Or my dog is way too wild, especially when he sees another dog. It just won't work. Well, a dog goes where its head goes. So this is exactly the type of dog that would benefit from this type of collar because it will tremendously improve your pet's walking experience. I don't feel that every dog has to have a gentle leader. It's just that the majority of dogs would benefit greatly from having this tool for leash walking. This product is most successful when owners take the time and effort to acclimate their dog to the head collar. Most important, let's make sure our pets are on a safe leash when going for a walk. And in my experience, the happiest pet owners on the block walk their dogs with a gentle leader. So I recommend looking into this product of the week for your furry family member. Thank you so much for joining us today. Special thanks to my three amazing co-hosts, Dr. Elaine, Dr. Kyle, and veterinary technician Tim, and to my expert guest, Dr. Jules Benson. I want to thank you, our amazing listeners, for your support, and please continue to give us feedback at vetbrospeteducationcf at gmail.com, or download us on demand, and please rate us on iTunes. We hope you join us next week, where we give you more great tips to help you unleash your pet parenting power. Thank you for listening to Healthy Tales. Please join your host, Dr. Mondrian Contreras, for another edition of the program next Wednesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's wishing better health for you and your pet.